Just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and in no way represent the state of Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Historical Society, or the Oklahoma State Historic Preservation Office. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind podcast. This is your host, Jack, and I have the ADD Mind. You know, today... I think is going to be quite interesting. I am starting a series where I will be talking to other adults that deal with ADHD on a daily basis and how they adapt, overcome, improvise, paraphrase Arlie Ermey from Full Metal Jacket, and you know how you deal and cope with being an adult in this modern world where you don't need an attention span but you still need to work. And this is the start of that series. Today, I have my awesome friend Jody on, and she is going to talk about how she deals with ADHD on a daily basis as she is uh, designing buildings. So, Jody, welcome to the show. Thank you. I, I appreciate you coming me. on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, Jody is. She's a, she's a pretty pretty cool person, you know. She she's an architect, does stuff like that. But she has done all sorts of really cool stuff. She was an MP in the army, and were you not also a paramedic at some point? I was an EMT. Oh, okay, it's an EMT. Yeah, yeah. So we're just gonna go through and sort of, I guess, start out with how her, you know, ADHD affects her with at her current job. And, and before we came on, we were. Uh, just sort of talking she gets to work at home which is something that with my adhd i'm not good at but apparently she is so (laughs) anyway um if you want to give a a quick rundown of your job and just sort of you know just some of the sort of things that you deal with you know trying to work and your adhd coping skills stuff like that so i'm throwing it to you Yeah, so I'm an architect, and now I primarily work as a project manager. Um, So I sit at my home in Oklahoma with cows tromping around the windows outside, and I'm running huge multi-multi-million dollar construction projects all around the world, which is (laughs) kind of cool. Yeah, Um, yeah. And sometimes I'm on calls with people literally from all around the world running the meetings and organizing the design of these projects. Um, So I think being an architect is probably one of the ideal jobs for someone with ADD. Um, I think it it uses, it challenges you to think about problem solving, like different types of problem solving. You cannot approach design problems in a linear fashion. So I think how we think is very conducive to being a good architect and even being a good project manager for this type of work because we don't think in a straight line a to b type manner we do think out of the box just naturally and like instead of thinking in a straight line my brain just goes all over the place and when you're trying to do analytical problem solving and coming up with different design solutions or different construction solutions i think it's really kind of an ideal mind frame to have or mindset. Um, so I, th- I think it's, I'm lucky that it's something that the way I think is a benefit. Helpful. Now that being said, <laughs> um, there are a lot of challenges because I'm still working in a world not designed for me. So I, I've had to do quite a bit to kind of help myself stay organized and, you know, maintain schedules and, remember to send emails even though i've already written them and i think just the normal things that all of us struggle with when we have add or adhd um so i i do spend a lot of time every day trying to organize myself that i think a neurotypical person doesn't have to do they would just remember things and i don't right Um, i I understand um, the alarm on my phone i have like 40 of them going on because someone says, Hey, can you do this at this time? Yeah. 
if I don't have my alarm going off to tell me, <laughs> there's a chance that I might mess up. So yeah, I, I understand completely with the with what you're saying. Yeah, so I have like I have my personal phone with alarms. I write things down. I, I have my Outlook calendar, you know, on my work computer that's constantly reminding me of things. I color code everything. I mean, I'm an architect and I'm an extremely visual person. Words kind of mean nothing to me. So I when I take notes in meetings, a lot of times it's it's color coded. And I also draw little pictures because if I have a small sketch and I look at that sketch a week later, I'll remember exactly what it was about. But if I try to describe it, describe it in words, sometimes it doesn't click. And so I've kind of had to mm -hmm. find my own little ways to remind myself of what was important and why was I taking that note. Um, I've found that I, I can't think digitally and I have to have things in writing. So my desk, if you were to see my workspace, <laughs> I think you'd want to invest money in like sticky notes or notepads <laughs> because everything, I have to write it down. If I don't write it down, I don't remember it. And I've had bosses and coworkers tell me, just, just stop what you're doing and listen to me. And I'm like, if I listen, it's gone. I mean, my my act of listening is by writing it or sketching it. I can't right. just sit there and listen and remember what you said. And so I have to write things down. I have to make notes. I have to color code it. I even place things on my desk in certain places or in my workspace in certain places. So I know if it's here, it has to do with this project. If it's over here, it has to do with this project. So I'm a very visual spatial type person. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just had to learn the hard way that, that that's what works for me. And if, you know, people in the workspace don't like me doing that, or if I'm in a meeting and they don't like me writing it down, I just, I have to do it that way. And I've kind of gotten to the point where I'll tell them, no, this, this is my part of my, um, what's the right word? Accommodation. Right. You know, I have to do this to be able to function. And, and for me, I don't know if you want to get into the whole working from home thing, but that was, yeah, go ahead. Was like a Yeah. So for years, I, I mean, my entire working life, when I've been in an office environment, I do really well if it's physical work, like working as a military police officer or working as an EMT. It's just totally different for me. Something about the the physical movements, the physical work, the muscle memory is just really easy for me. Like riding okay. horses, like I ride horses. Everything physically that I can do is just... I think if that were my career, I would do well at it. I didn't at any of those. But when it comes to working as an architect or project manager in an office environment, from day one, it was just horrible. I mean, extremely stressful, overwhelming. And there, there are times I've almost wondered, like, am I somewhat autistic? I mean, I know I'm not. I know it's different and not to take away from anyone who's autistic, but I just can't, I get so overwhelmed in an office environment where I'm hearing other people's conversations and phone calls and I hear other noises or someone's running a faucet or a coffee machine in the break room and they're walking past me and I see cars driving outside and just that constant distraction. I mean, I, you know, I've heard a lot of times ADD described as it's not lack of attention, it's hyperattention. Like yeah, you can't yeah. turn off the brain. I can't not pay attention to the person next to me talking on the phone. And so for me, I would dread, absolutely dread walking into an office because it was so frustrating. If there were no one there, I could do the job. Like right. I would intentionally stay late on Fridays after people left just to get my work done because I just couldn't function in an mm. office environment. And it, it would get so stressful. I mean, just the constant bombardment of audio and visual distractions and, you know, and just the stress of knowing I'm not getting work done. I'm not thinking through things. I'm missing things. I'm forgetting things. I'm not hearing the important things that I'm supposed to hear or catching the important things in a meeting or an email. And it was just so overwhelming and so stressful that I, I was actually at the point, I'd say it was the week of the pandemic. When the pandemic started, I remember sitting in my car in the parking lot thinking, I can't do this anymore. I just, I can't function in this type of environment. Right. And I, I've had a lot of 
I mean, you know, there's always the question of, do I tell my employer? <laughs> and I've found, I think like kind of on a tangent, being an architect, there are a lot of laws pertaining to physical accommodations for disabilities. There's nothing pertaining to like the invisible disabilities. Oh and yeah, so, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's always been something I wish I could do something about, but it's, it's not, there's just, there's nothing that I know of that even protects us other than some vague laws saying, if you have a documented disability, then you can go to your employer if they're over a certain size and ask for a reasonable accommodation. Right. Okay, we'll define what reasonable accommodation is. You know, my idea is different than theirs. And so I had done that at multiple offices. Usually you're faced with, you know, the embarrassment of saying, hey, there's something wrong with me. Um, right. Skepticism, people saying, I don't believe in ADD or ADHD. You're just making an excuse or you're lazy or whatever. Um, so that's a whole story in itself. But oh, when it comes yeah, for sure. It, <laughs> when it comes down to it, it's just, you know, I've talked to HR people who are like, okay, well, what's going to help you? Put me in a closet. I mean, <laughs> give me an office. You know, seriously, I, I don't care if you put me in a closet. Put me somewhere that I'm not so overwhelmed that I literally can't do my job. Right. And at my last firm, we had, I think it was 170 people on two floors in an office building. And so I'm in, I'm on a floor with half of those people at any minute. And I'm just, I literally can't function. And sometimes I could go into the hall or go into the stairwell. If I had to really get something done, go outside in my car, make it look like I'm not working. Um, but the best accommodation I could ever get was to be put in a very noisy corner, <laughs> and, which really did no good whatsoever. Right, right, um, right. And the, my stress level was just so high. I mean, just for me, just the constant, you know, I can go somewhere, you know, like a music concert or, you know, a sporting event and I'm fine, but I'm not under the pressure of trying to get my work done at the same time. Right. You just, don't have to produce anything. Yeah. You're, you're just so enjoying yourself. It, it was just the constant stress of I can't do my job because I can't hear myself think and I can't keep my brain thinking in one direction or I can't focus or remember what I'm trying to do right now. And so I was seriously thinking it was like the Monday or Tuesday when the pandemic started that I'm going to have to do something else with my life. And I don't know what else I would do. I can work as an EMT, but I can't put a roof over my head and feed myself on that pay, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. So I was really just thinking, I don't know what else to do. I mean, this is what I do. And then they called us in, um, started calling everybody in during the, you know, that first week saying, we're thinking about sending you guys home. And I thought, I'm never going to be able to do this. I can't, I don't know how I'll do it, you know, because I, mm -hmm. I was think I was thinking, how would I force myself to work? Right. And like, how can I keep myself on track with the distractions of, well, let me see what my cats are doing. Oh, what's the horse doing outside? You know, <laughs> right. I, I just, I'd never been in that situation and I, I had no idea how I would deal with it. And so I was really scared and just thought, well, I'm, I'm going to have to switch careers anyways, then maybe now's the time to figure something out. I don't know. So we came home and the first couple of days were pretty rough. You know, I was just sitting here at my kitchen table with a little one screen laptop, realized that the pandemic wasn't going to go away in two weeks like we thought. So I went and got my computer screens from the office and my keyboard and got set up. And two weeks later, I was thinking, I am never going back because for the first time in my life, not only can I do my job, I can do it well. And I can do it the way I've always wanted to do it because I don't have someone stopping by because they just went to get a cup of coffee. I'm not having constant phone calls because I didn't have a phone. Right. <laughs> and and it, it was quiet and I could actually think and I could shut the blinds on my window and not see any movement outside. And other than occasional cats coming by to see what I'm doing and then they go back to sleep. I have no visual distractions. I have no audio distractions. And I finally feel like I'm on like a level playing field for the first time in my entire life. That's, that's so, got to be a good feeling for you to it's have huge. reached that. And I'm like, and the only reason that I can do that is because I'm at home. Right. And the few times 
that I've had to go back into an office since then. I just, I can't, find, I know I'm not going to get any actual work done while I'm in the office. I can do other things like, you know, just meet people or maybe have quick conversations. But if I need to actually work, I've got to go home to do it. And so for me, it's just, I I'd never known what it was like to be, I guess, neurotypical. But I almost feel, you know, I have to do all the normal organizational things. I mean, none of that's changed. Like, I don't suddenly have a good memory. I, I can't suddenly just keep a straight train of thought. I've got to keep making notes and sketching and using my color coding everywhere. Like, that yeah. still has to happen. Like, I, I still have ADHD, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. <laughs> but I can actually do the work. And it's, I mean, it's just, I if they ever tried to make me go back to the office at that point, I would say I have to switch careers because I don't think I could ever go back to that level of frustration and just that level of stress. Right. Well, I'm glad that for you working at home is the answer you needed. For me, working at home is the complete opposite. I need to have the threat of somebody looking over my shoulder, not, you know, for real, but, you know, sort of figuratively for me to stay focused enough to do what needs to be done. And as, as long as I have uh, like an earbud in with some music going, I can, I can't have both of them in because I have to answer the phones. Yeah. Uh, which the, God, I wish people would quit calling. Um, <laughs> stop doing that folks. Um, so as long as I have at least one, you know, earbud in and I have music, a podcast, I can't do audiobooks because I get interested yeah. <laughs> and then I, yeah. but a podcast or it's weird. You think an audiobook and a podcast would be similar, but they're not. I could, I could listen to a podcast and do what I need to do or music and do what I need to do. And that is enough to kind of keep me from sort of like, you know, you were talking about, you hear everything that's going on in the office. And yeah. my problem is I'll focus in so much on what I'm doing. I don't, I'll get to where I don't hear anything that's going on in the office and people will be talking to me and I have no freaking idea in there. Jack, yeah. Jack, Jack. <laughs> but when I'm at home, I'm like, Oh, Hey guys. Hey Higgins. Hi Khaleesi. <laughs> I need a snack that I just had five minutes ago. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm glad that working from home though is the solution for, for your particular needs. Cause that's the thing though about ADHD is it's so personal for everybody yeah and that's why you're saying you know there's still people that don't think it's it's a it's a real thing and i just you know i've had people say that i don't know how many times and i'm like okay you sit there let me get a couple people to stand around you and we're going to scream different things at you and then we're going to have flashing lights flashing in your eyes and oh by the way try to get your work done in the middle of all that and see how well you do and then come yeah. tell me how i need to just not be lazy and pay attention better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So growing up, did you have the same thing happen to you that always happened to me? Back when we were kids, there was the old handwritten report card, you know, through elementary school, sort of, you know, like a book style that opened up and it had the semesters and they, you know, the teacher's hand wrote your grade on there. And yeah, always the note at the bottom for that particular semester. I do not think I have ever had a report card that did not say does not live up to his full potential, has a hard time staying focused. Was that common for you as well? I don't, I was really good in school up until about, I guess, sophomore, junior year in high school. Um, and then I hit the point where I, I realized if I'm not interested in a subject, I just could not force myself to pay attention to it. Um, but up until that point, I was a straight A student. But yeah, how many report cards said, does not apply herself, does not pay attention, uh, doesn't stop talking, won't stop fidgeting, won't stop interrupting the teacher. And I I don't know that I, I think every time I was surprised because I didn't know that I did that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand. I was diagnosed in the 70s and it was not called... Oh, wow. ADD, ADHD, I was diagnosed as being extremely hyperactive, which of course now, you know, that's what it would be ADHD, ADD. And yeah. 
they just didn't know what to do in the 70s. Teachers didn't know what to do. I was stuck on a diet. There was all these foods that, well, maybe if he doesn't eat these, it will, you know, not make him hyper and just all sorts of stuff. And there was just not really anything, you know, to help. My mom, bless her heart, did the best that she could, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she she didn't know what she was dealing with either, but she did the best that she could. But yeah, so I know I'm I'm not that much older than you. So when were you sort of diagnosed? Was it an adult diagnosed for you? Uh, it, I was in grad school. When I was little, they knew something was wrong. Um, just how I acted in school, um, you know, talking inappropriately, you know, just interrupting. Um, I wasn't so hyperactive. But I, when I was diagnosed, I was at that time, they called it ADD type six inattentive. And so I would just, I was kind of like the classic little kid who would just stick their nose in a book or just daydream. And I wouldn't hear the teachers say we had an assignment or I wouldn't hear instructions given to the class. Mm -hmm. And so I know, I remember at least several times that the school sent me or my mom, I don't, I don't know, but I remember going to get tested. And every time they did that, they said there was nothing wrong with me because I think, especially back then, they were less familiar with girls. With oh, ADD. yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, no, you you are you are spot on on that. Um, girls having ADHDs like within the last fifteen years. Yeah, and so at the time they said there's nothing wrong with her. She's just not paying attention. So I grew up constantly being in trouble because I wasn't paying attention. And I think what I took from that as a kid was there's something wrong with me and people right. are acting like there's something wrong with me, but I don't understand what it is. I know I'm different from the other kids, but I don't understand why. Like, I don't know how they know things that I don't because I, I wasn't really aware that while they were listening to the teacher's instructions or listening to kids talking, I was thinking about the unicorn book that I just read. You know? <laughs> right, and, right. So I, I knew something wasn't right, but I just, I never knew what it was. And I couldn't figure out why I was different or how I was different and how did other people know things that I didn't know. And then just the constant teachers getting mad at me and people being, you know, my mom being frustrated with me. And it was just like the message that I think I got was I'm a bad kid. You know, right. something's wrong with me. Somehow I'm doing this on purpose, even though I don't know what it is that I'm doing on purpose. But somehow and you don't know how to like, stop it on top of yeah. it. You don't know how to stop it because you don't I, I don't know, what, know what it is. And I, <laughs> yeah, I, I know I'm different. I just, I don't know what it is and I don't know how to not be like this. So I just grew up thinking, well, I must be stupid. Like maybe I'm just dumb. Maybe just getting good grades is a fluke. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't know what I'm missing. And so by the time I got to grad school, to architecture school, it, it was just so clear that there were certain subjects that were so easy for me. I mean, the more like artistic subjects, you know, building things. Um, there were some subjects that were so easy and then others, I just, I couldn't even comprehend them. And it was so stressful because that I could really clearly see that I was struggling so much more than my classmates and that mm -hmm. it's taking me so much longer, like literally twice as long to study for certain classes or tests. And I still feel like I don't understand it. And I don't get why is it so hard for me? And finally, I was stressed out and I'd gone to the you know, student health clinic for something. And someone said, oh, I think you must be depressed. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know I was depressed. Maybe I'm so depressed. I don't know that I'm depressed. I don't feel right. depressed. And so I thought, oh, no, what do I do if I'm depressed? And they said, you should see a counselor. So I went in and saw this counselor. And I told her, you know, they told me I'm depressed. And after a few sessions, she said, you know, there's something going on with you, but you're not depressed. She said, I see depression every day and that's not you. And so after a few more sessions, she said, you know what? Her child, I think it was a boy, had ADD or ADHD. And she said, you remind me so much of them. And I remember one thing she asked me was, what do you do if there's a tag in the back of your shirt that bothers you? And I'm like, oh, no way. Can't, no, have to cut it out. Cannot think straight. I couldn't drive down the road if there was a tag in the back of my shirt itching me. Like I would have a wreck. And she's <laughs> like, 
you need to go get tested. And I, I didn't even know what ADD was. I had no clue. I mean, I'd heard of it, but I thought it's the the classic little boy running around the classroom beating someone on the head with a stick, you know, and right. that wasn't me. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with me. So, okay, fine. I don't know what else to do if I'm not depressed. <laughs> like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Maybe I'm just really, really stupid. And so she sent me to this, you know, psychiatrist, psychologist lady or whoever she was who did a series of formal testing. Okay. And when I went back to her to get the results of the test, to sit down and meet with her, and part of it, you know, was your your normal test for that type of thing, you know, talk to your parents, what were you like as a kid, all this stuff. When I went back and sat down in the room with her, we were talking and she said, do you know what you just did? And I'm like, what? No. She said, you just stopped listening to me. You looked up at the ceiling and you were listening. There was an air conditioning sound or something in the ductwork. And she said, did you hear what I just said? And I'm like, oh, you were talking about such and such. She said, no, you didn't hear the last few sentences I said because you were listening to the ductwork and you didn't even know you were doing it. So you missed that important statement. And she said, right. the only reason right. I know it is because I'm trained to watch people do that. And she said, and I have ADHD and I also was distracted by the sound in the ductwork and i was and as soon as she said that i'm like oh yeah it made this weird clicking noise and she said okay so think how many times a day you're in a classroom environment or your professor is giving you instructions and saying the paper's due tomorrow and a car went by outside and you heard that instead of hearing whatever it was you were supposed to hear and i was like holy freaking shit <laughs> Sorry yeah. for cussing. <laughs> I have a disclaimer at the beginning that cussing occurs in this podcast, so <laughs> feel free. And so that's when she said, you are classic. Yeah, at that time, they called it ADD type six inattentive. And she gave me the legal paperwork, which I still have and still need to use today. And, you know, I took that. She gave me some information on it. I went back and talked to this counselor lady. We started talking about it. I went online, started reading about it. And I'm like, how did all these people know what was happening in my head? Like, how were they writing these descriptions of me? And right. I mean, right. it was just, it was like earth shattering to me. Like, you mean there are other people like this? Like, are you serious? There are other people like this is not unusual. <laughs> And so that, I think, for me, was half of it right there, was just realizing, oh, there's a name for it. Oh, and this is why I do this. Oh, and here's maybe something I can do to counteract it. You know, so it was just, I mean, absolutely life-changing. I, I completely understand because I just always accepted, okay, I have ADHD. I don't, I don't want to take medication for it. I'm just, I just never wanted to. But I didn't really find out a lot of, like, deep dive into it until I was probably, you know, 46, 47 years old. And there are so oh, many wow. things that I wish I would have known. And so many things that I do that I always thought was just like being like the logical order of doing things. Like yeah. when I get ready in the morning, I have to do everything in the exact same steps. If yeah. I get out of that routine, something, you know, will be messed up. If I go to the yeah. bathroom, for example, and brush my teeth before I put my deodorant on, that means I'll forget to put my belt on and then I'll get to work and I'll be like, oh crap, my pants are falling off. And yeah. it's because I just swapped to the order of two things. Yeah. And I have to put things in a certain place and I get really particular. So if people come over to my house and move something like my car keys, Right. I will freak out. And it's not that I care that much. It's just if something's not where it's supposed to be, I'll never remember where I put it. I'll never find it. <laughs> like you have screwed up my world. <laughs> yeah. No, I I I completely I completely understand. And it's really um kind of really only been in the last few years that I've I really started to feel bad for um Heather. Because she is literally the only member of our family that is neurotypical. I oh, have gosh. ADHD. Misty has ADHD. Duncan's autistic. He has Asperger's. And Emily has ADHD and OCD on top of it all. But, you know, it's diagnosed. And then we just have her that's just like, you know, hey, normal person. 
And oh gosh. We've definitely put that woman through the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, our son didn't, uh, Duncan didn't get diagnosed with Asperger's until he was actually in the Air Force. Oh, wow. Yeah. So let that be a lesson to you. If you have Asperger's or autism, you can still go and have a very successful and productive life because he has a high, you know, stress, highly trained job, but he does very, very well in it. And partially it's because of the structure of having been in the Air Force, because, you know, that's completely structured and he needed that in his job in the civilian world. He he does work for a civilian company, but it's all, you know, Department of Defense related stuff. Don't ask me what it is. I don't know. He can't tell me and I'm not going to try to trick him into telling me. Because I tried and he won't. But <laughs> <laughs> but the structure of that for him with his Asperger's is is something that he needs. And he yeah. he's able to succeed because of that. And then Emily, her ADHD is very, very similar to mine. We're, we're very, very similar people. <laughs> but, but yeah, just stuff that you think... Because when your brain is this way, you think you do things and you don't realize that you're doing it as a coping mechanism. You're just doing it because yeah. it's like, well, this makes sense. This is this is the sensible way to do whatever the thing is, especially if you do it all the time. It's like, well, why not just do it the same way every single time? But I don't, re- you know, you don't realize you're actually coping with, <laughs> you know, your yeah. ADHD. And I think that's why, like, for me, like a disruption to just... Like, like my work day is always, it's never the same ever. No, no two days are ever the same, but like my life skills, like my life routine for me, if that gets disrupted, it's really hard to get back on track. Like I need to brush my teeth at this point in the getting ready process. I need to do this at this point and do laundry on these certain days. Otherwise I might forget a week later and not have any socks. And it's like, I think that's why. You know, I know like when I have, you know, when I'm traveling or have people at my house, it's maybe annoying to them, but I'm like, this is how I function. This is how I remember to brush my teeth, <laughs> you know, because right, I did yeah. it in a certain order in a certain way and things were in a certain place. Cause if it's not like that, I'm, I might forget to put my contacts in or something. And I mean, it's, it, it's all these little things that are really a bigger deal to me. I've realized than to other people. I. I'm there with you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I am completely there. Like I said, if I, I am not lying when I say if I swap the order of one thing, yeah, I will forget something else, and then I'll be at work. And I'm like, oh gosh, dang it, my pants are falling off. Oh, my belt's not yeah. on. Why isn't my belt on? Oh, I did that out of order. Yeah. Or you know, the the infamous. I better set this thing by the door so I don't forget it when I leave because I have to take it to this person. And then I grab something else. So oh, I got to take this too. And then completely forget the thing I said at the door. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you do that as well. but I don't know how many times like at work, like say I took lunch to work and had leftovers. And I knew that I would forget the leftovers in the fridge at work when I was working in an office. So I would take my keys and put them in the fridge with my lunch sack. So I wouldn't forget to take my lunch sack home. And people would be laughing because someone's keys are in the fridge. And I'm like, don't touch them <laughs> because when I'm frantically looking for my keys at my desk, I'll be like, Oh yeah, my lunch sack. Otherwise right. I get home and I don't know. So there, yeah, there are all these weird little things that just, you got to do. <laughs> I mean, right. <laughs> and to, to those of us that are doing them, we're just like, yeah, this is just like the logical way to do yeah. things. There's nothing weird about this. And everybody else like, is I looking at you like, without hey. my keys. <laughs> Right. Everyone else is just like, hey, oh, hey, you weirdo. (laughs) And yeah, you are right. The the modern world is not meant for people that deal with ADHD on a on a regular basis. And it's just yeah, it, it can be so tough. So let me ask you this, though, if you are in, say, a a group setting and there are 25 other people in the room, which, of course, means there's, you know, 13 conversations going on. So if you're talking to somebody, do you find that you have to like hyper super focus on what that person that you're talking to is saying? Because otherwise 
you will hear the conversation that's completely on the opposite side of the room. And that's what oh, yeah. you hear. And the person that's, you know, two inches away from you, you can't hear them because all you're hearing is the people talking, you know, 35 feet away. And under normal circumstances, if it was quiet, you wouldn't care less what, what's going on, but you can't focus on the person in front of you. Do you have that issue? <laughs> I just, I almost can't socialize in a group. I mean, for me, it's just, I think it's like being in the office. It's just so overwhelming. I, I, if you're talking to me, I have no clue what you're saying. I really don't. And it's not that I don't think you're important. It's not that I'm not interested in what you're saying. I just can't hear you because I'm also hearing what everyone else is saying. And I just, for me, that is such a stressful environment that I, I really, I've gotten to where, especially since the pandemic, I just really avoid it. And I, do, I don't even like the thought of going to like a, a big restaurant with a big group, because if it's where I can just kind of sit and listen, that's fine. But if it's a mm -hmm. situation where right. I'm expected to have conversations and socialize, I'd honestly rather not go because it's just, I don't mean to be rude and I know it comes across as rude, but it's really just overwhelming. And right, so right. I, I really prefer to just, you know, either be in a group setting where we're just doing an activity, like we're hiking or something and we can kind of chit chat as we're going along, but the goal isn't to have a conversation or like this, there's just two people talking or maybe just a very small group. So we can right. all have the same conversation. But I think for me, just like a group setting is just, since I've not been in that situation much since the pandemic, I think it's gotten worse for me. Or or maybe my stress level has become more noticeable. Right. But I just, I realize how much I don't like it <laughs> and how poorly I function in that type of setting. I, I understand. I have people like, oh, wouldn't it be great to go to New York City? And I'm like, no, that no. sounds horrible. Yeah, no. Why why would you want to be in like a place with that many people not respecting the eight foot bubble I I am required to have? Yes. Don't touch me. Don't bump <laughs> into me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Don't talk to me, please. While I'm having to watch myself getting hit by a car as I'm trying to, you know, navigate a crosswalk or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'm I, I I am there with you 100%, 100%. I, I understand completely. And I feel like the, the only people that really understand are other, you know, people with some type of ADHD or maybe even some autism, depending on how, you know, far on the spectrum you are, because, you know, it is can be yeah. a pretty, pretty big gap, but it can be tough. And let me ask you if you also do something I do. So Heather and I can have a conversation. I'll be telling her something. I will still, like, it'll say part A, B, and C. And I'll mention A and B, and then something happens. We get distracted. We talk about other stuff. And then three hours later, four hours later, the next day, you know, we have this conversation on Friday. And then on Sunday, I'm like, oh, we never finished that. So I'll just go in there and just start talking to her. As if there wasn't a 48-hour gap between <laughs> what we were talking about. I'll just go in and start talking. And she's like, what, what, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I'm finishing that conversation we had earlier. And so you'll like see her mind. And she'll like, that was two days ago, dude. And you're just now. And I'm like, well, I wasn't finished. You interrupted me. And I see nothing wrong with that. And to me, 48 hours hasn't gone by. It's like 48 seconds. Well, like, it's like you were you were on a thread. You went on a different thread, and you came back to the that one. Like that's yeah, that's fine, right? It shouldn't matter if two days or a day, five hours have gone by. She should have remembered yeah. we needed to finish that conversation, <laughs> right? <laughs> How is this my fault? She's the one not remembering. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, but is that something that you also do? Wearing? I think to me, that is so normal that I don't even see why that would be remarkable. Like, of course, you would finish the conversation when you remembered it three days later. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why not? Yeah. We weren't done. Yeah. We're still it's not my fault you changed the subject. You should have let me finish. It's total sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
Oh, go ahead. I think something else that's interesting is just I've found that so many of my friends or people who I really get along with also have ADHD. And it's probably just things like that. Like, yeah, to me, that's totally normal. We're going to start talking about something, you know, a month later. Yeah. Like, I don't, it, it's just familiar. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. I don't know if it's a method of communication or just the way you think, but it's just, I've been amazed since I was diagnosed and became aware of it, like how many other people I know who who I'm friends with that I'm almost like, oh, that's why we're friends. <laughs> because we're right. on the same page. You know, yeah, well, I know for me, I could be friends with somebody. And if we're friends in my mind, we're just always friends. And it doesn't matter if like we haven't physically spoken in six months. It's as if nothing has gone, you know, no time has passed. And it is almost the whole start the conversation, you know, right back up. And I have found that it's typically other people with ADHD that are the same way that I am in that regard. Yeah. And I, I think it's maybe something like your normal is also my normal. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. most of the people are just weird, but we have the same normal. So <laughs> I think there's just like a, like a comfort level there. Like, right. I'm not trying to make myself understood or trying to fit into a box that I don't fit into. I can just kind of be my kind of normal. Yeah. In our kind of normal is a great kind of normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, it's, it's just such a weird thing. Cause the, I just wish there was not so much, I don't know. I can't even, I don't even know if I, I can phrase it properly, but there's just so many things that just aren't built for somebody whose brain cannot like stay in a certain mindset for four hours at a time. Yeah. Unless it's something you really, really like. Yeah. And then it's 12 hours and it's fine. Right. And you don't want anyone to talk to you or bother you while you're doing that thing because you're enjoying what you're doing. And if they bother you, you will never get back into it. Exactly. Exactly. Which I could see where your job would work for you, though, because it is different every day. And that does uh, make it easier for you, you know, when your your mind is kind of always in flux to get to do something like that. So I, I totally get that. And I think, I mean, I could not do a job that was repetitive because I, I think I would go insane. I just, I, I couldn't deal with it. To me, that would be more stressful than anything. Right, right. To just have to do the same thing and have to think about the same. I, I, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> Which is probably why being an EMT was something that you enjoyed. Because if there's ever a job that is not the same thing. Right. <laughs> being an EMT would be it. <laughs> <laughs> that would uh that would definitely uh, be it so um while i'm thinking about it the next time uh, we get together we should totally just adhd the hell out of heather and just annoy the crap out of her <laughs> <laughs> you're like this is what it's like to be us <laughs> poor heather <laughs> <laughs> well since she's had covid she's had some um of the you know the the covid brain fog afterwards oh gosh oh gosh it so she'll say do something and something won't and she'll like wait is this what it's like to have adhd and i'm like yeah so like, how do you do this i don't really know any other way yeah <laughs> I, I i just do <laughs> you know <laughs> but yeah, no, we should definitely just ADHD and just bother the snot out of her the next time we get together. <laughs> Poor Heather. Sorry, Heather. <laughs> yeah, she's used to it. Emily and I used to do that to her all the time. She'd try to tell us something, and then it would spark something with M, and we would go on like these 40-minute things that her and I found hilarious, and Heather would just sit there getting irritated because she just wanted to finish her point. And Emily and I just would not allow it as we went on these ADHD, you know, moments. And it it didn't help that she's so similar to me with how our ADHD is and how our minds work. So we would just like become like this fused ADHD entity. And <laughs> poor woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know for a while I took medication 
And I remember I, I was really nervous about it and I'd gone to a doctor and he recommended it. And I, the first month, I only took like a quarter or a half of the dose of what he recommended. And I don't think it really did anything. And he kind of scolded me for it and said, no, you need to just try the full dose and see if it helps you. And so the next appointment I went in and I, I literally felt like I was slurring my speech right? because I felt so slow. And I remember talking to him and he said something like, this is what normal's like. And I'm like, this is really freaking boring. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like it. I can't think. I can't do anything. <laughs> like everything's so slow. <laughs> and and I told him, I said, I feel like I'm slurring my speech. And he said, no, you're speaking normally because your thinking has slowed down. I'm like, not for me. I don't like it. And right? I just thought, how sad <laughs> to be so boring. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I get that. I actually, because I just drink water. So I'm always getting water from, you know, the, the fridge with the water dispenser in there. Yeah. But it doesn't dispense water like fast enough, like when you turn the, you know, the faucet on. And I literally get bored waiting for my oh, cup yeah. to fill with water. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this or, is really boring. I, one of the worst things, like, so in the morning, I go, I have like this whole little routine. I turn on the computer. There's no way I can sit there for the whole length of time for it to come up for me to type in my password. So I turn on the computer and then I go fill the cat's bowl and then I come back and do this. And then I type something in because I mean, to sit there for like 30 seconds, it's just so boring. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel you. I feel you, Jody. I'm in the same boat. I think <laughs> We have some differences sort of in how our ADHD works, but I think we also have a lot of a lot of similarities in in how it, it it is for both of us. Yeah. So what what was it that made you decide to stop taking the medication for it? I started having side effects. Oh, oh yeah, that's so, probably yeah. a good reason. Yeah, well I took it for years and it it really helped me function like in a non-ADD world. Like it it helped me work in an office environment better, not be so distracted and so irritated. But then I started having like a higher heart rate and higher blood pressure. And I remember when I'd started the medication, the doctor had told me, you're not going to be able to take this forever. It's not a lifetime thing and it's not mm -hmm. a cure, but it's just a band-aid for now. Like it was, my big goal was to get through grad school and it mm -hmm. made a huge difference I mean, I went from barely being able to function to graduating second in my class. And I oh, think wow, that yeah. was 100% being diagnosed, knowing what was going on, learning how to deal with it, and absolutely the medication. I mean, for me, I think that's what did it. Um, mm -hmm. But I remember the doctor saying, you, you've got to find other methods to cope because you can't take it forever. It's going to catch up with you. And it caught up with me sooner than I had expected because I thought maybe I'll get through to retirement before I can't take it. And it was right. long before that. So I, I hung on for a while and finally my regular doctor said, okay, you, you got to stop this. So right. I did. And that was, that's when everything like work-wise just got horrible because it was full-blown ADHD in a noisy office environment. <laughs> and right. Yeah. 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 No, I, fortunately my office is for the most part pretty quiet, um, which helps. But like I said, if people come up and start talking to me, if I'm focused on something else, I have no idea. Cause it's, yeah. it's like, once I get the focus in, it's like, okay, I'm focused in like the sort of the rest of the world kind of goes away while I'm focused on that. And then as soon as somebody interrupts me and takes me out of it, I can get back into that. It just takes, it's not like instant. It takes time yeah. for that. But then again, the way I hyper-focus on something isn't actually a good thing either. And I've had people tell me once I got to know them better that they thought I was mean. Because like if someone would come up and interrupt me, I I get really irritated. Right. Or get, And it's like, it's not you. I'm not mad at you at all. I don't care who you are. It's just so irritating to be taken out of the mode that I was in and knowing that, I mean, it's like the stress of knowing it's going to take me how, I don't know how long 
to get back to where I was. And that's been interrupted and derailed. And I'm not ready to talk to you right now. I can't think about what you're saying right now. I need, I need a warning. <laughs> you know, I can't just jump from one to the next. And now you've made me pay attention to you and you're going to expect me to go back to what I'm doing. And I can't do that. So it's kind of like a mini meltdown. Like I can't do either. So I just get pissed off. And then yeah. people are like, she's really rude. And I'm like, no, you interrupted me. <laughs> like, yeah, I was, I was in my own little thing. I was fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm forever. Someone will start talking to me It forever going, wait, what was that? Could you, could you say that again? Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how to say Maybe it would work better if you got my attention and then you started talking to me or passing on the information you needed me to hear. Just don't come oh, yeah. up to me and just start telling me what you need me to hear because it takes me, you know, you're halfway through saying what you're saying before I realize I'm even being spoken to. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm still processing the fact that you're talking to me and I'm still trying to think about what I was doing two seconds ago. So yeah. <laughs> give me a minute <laughs> to adjust here. <laughs> yeah. You know, walk up, Jack, Jack. And then when you realize, okay, I'm, I am now picking up that I am being spoken to. Give me like another 10 seconds and then give me whatever the information you're trying to give me. Right. I, I just, I need that. And I don't know how to tell coworkers that that's what I need. Some of them are better and they've picked up on it and they just do that. And then others don't. And then they get offended. And then yeah. they're mad that you didn't hear what they were saying. Well, I think my coworkers are just used to me having, for them having to say it again. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my neurotypical friends, this is not a joke. Don't sit there and think, ah, people are making ADHD up. No, our brains are wired differently. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if... Like my right and left half of my brain communicate better than others. And, you know, and that's part of the problem because I got too much going on just in there, you know, with parts in like a normal, typical brain that aren't connected and they're connected in my brain. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. And it was, it, I understand how you were saying, you know, you didn't know if there was, you know, if you were stupid or something, because it's always, well, how do I live up to my, potential i'm doing the best that i can <laughs> you <Yeah>. know <laughs> how, how do i how do i live how do i meet my potential and I, I don't know <laughs> it sounds like you've had a lot of the same struggles <laughs> so and i wonder if it's like i have a friend who has a little boy who has adhd and i think they got him tested pretty quickly Mm -hmm. But I still wonder, like, what's it, you know, have they really gotten better, especially with, like, girls or maybe with the kids who don't have as classic of symptoms? I mean, because I really think ADHD is also a spectrum. I mean, that's why we're, you know, we're not all the same. I mean, right. I have friends with ADHD who struggle even more than I do. So I, I think it is different for everyone. And I just, I hope it's gotten better. I mean, I hope there's more education out there and more resources. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my nephew has ADHD and he's on medication for it. He he needs it so that he can you know focus in school. Uh, but my sister doesn't give him his medication on the weekends mm -hmm. because she wants him to have a couple of days throughout the week where he's like him. <laughs> you know yeah. if that makes sense? Because she just feels like the medication is so. He's still him, but like not as much him. You know what I yeah. mean? And, yeah. and she wants him to have a couple of days where he's just sort of free to be himself and not have to worry and, you know, have the world slowed down or whatever, which yeah, I always oh, go ahead. I always, I had different doctors give me different recommendations. Like some would say, oh, you need to take the medication all the time and keep the same level in your system. Some would say, no, you need medication breaks. Don't take it on the weekends. And I just kind of found like, if there's stuff I need to do, then I better take the medicine. Because if I don't, it won't get done. Right, but right. I, I also realized there were certain things I couldn't do very well on the medicine. Like if there was some really serious problem solving, you know, whether it was, you know, like at work, there were just times that I can't 
do that. I can't think as well on the medicine. It's too limiting. Like you slow me down too much, you know, right. And there's certain things I found. I really do better just thinking the way I normally do for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, yeah, now I can't, that's not even an option. So, right. Right. But I, I think I'm more like not on the medicine. I do, I guess in general, just feel better. I mean, just more like things are harder, but my mind works faster. <laughs> like it's <laughs> right. Like right. I feel more normal. I feel like myself, you know, I'm not yeah. a slow down version of myself. Right. Right. So, um, believe it or not, we've reached, uh, an hour of recording time, but I do, I do have uh, sort of one other thing that I was curious about. So when you are at the Scottish festivals, cause you are the, uh, rep for clan, uh, clan Douglas, the actual meaning of that word, not, the perverted version that racists put out there, the real Gaelic version that starts with a C (laughs) for for Clan Douglas. And you do go to Scottish festivals. Does sort of the ADHD and everything, does it help you give you problems? A little bit of both. It it gives me problems. Um, Like if there's just a couple people who come like to the tent at one time and I can sit down and just have a conversation with them. That's great. But usually, you know, like after the Saturday afternoon clan march, clan meaning Scottish clan, when you usually get an influx of people at the tent and there's a lot of people there, I I just struggle. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's really and I always worry afterwards, like, did I actually hear what that person said? Was I coming across as rude because I just couldn't focus on what they were saying? So yeah, when when there's a lot of people there at once, it's it's hard for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and because I'm there representing our group, it I I think I probably feel worse about it than if I was just, you know, going out to a dinner with people because I want to give a good impression. I want to answer people's questions or talk to them and make them feel important. And I'm sometimes I I know that I can't do it. It's just too too much. Right, right. Yeah, I I can understand that. Jody and I have been at many, many, many a Scottish festival together, doing our Scottish thing, wearing our tartans, talking to people, drinking beer, you know, <laughs> typical or Scottish scotch. stuff. Or scotch. Yeah, yeah. Which actually leads to a somewhat humorous story. Jody's family, ha- in Oklahoma, we have something called a Centennial Farm and Ranch. My office, oh, administers, <laughs> my office administers that program for the state of Oklahoma. And the the person in my office that runs that, she kept thinking that I was bullshitting her that Jody and I were friends. And she was like, No, you're just messing with me. Well, we were at a, a Scottish festival in Tulsa and we uh uh Heather, myself, and Jody uh shared a hotel room. And so I was like, wait a minute, I am finally going to prove to her that we're friends. <laughs> so I'm like <laughs> I'm like, here, Heather, Jody, you guys, then I took a picture <laughs> and sent it to my coworker. I'm like, see, we really are friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, you know, became the big joke that, well, I guess you guys really are friends. And so sometimes other people will come in and she'll be like, so do you know them too? Oh, that's nope, hilarious. No, nope, nope. just, just, just Jody. <laughs> just that one. <laughs> Oh, but, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We've had a lot of fun doing Scottish stuff and hanging out and yeah. driving up to your uh, almond matter of Oklahoma State University to go eat at Eskimo Joe's. Yeah, I was just thinking about that and thinking we should all do that again. Yeah, yeah, we definitely should. I have not, I feel like a, a dick because I haven't seen Ralph in like <gasps> four or five months. Oh, gosh. And I've just been not a good friend, is how well, I feel. Well, I'll just have to drive over to that side of town and all of us go out to dinner again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm all about that. Or I could grill food for us or something, because then it will be quieter. Yeah. Well, I mean, Higgins might be annoying, but he can't help it. <laughs> when you're that yeah, big, definitely. it just happens. But <laughs> anyway... Um, well, is there anything else? Because we have kind of reached the end. Is there anything else that you want to 
say or let people know, you know, just sort of get out there, you know, hey, you're not alone. There are things that can be done or whatever, just anything like that that you want to want to say real quick. Um, I think more for one thing that's always kind of bothered me was just especially with kids and being diagnosed as a child. I mean, one that's so incredibly important. I think an early diagnosis makes a huge difference just to know, you know, as that person with ADHD, why you are the way you are. I mean, that that's huge. Right. But also like for parents of kids, just don't, don't see it as, oh no, my kid has ADHD because you're going to spread that attitude to them. Like they're going to know that if you're thinking that this is a something detrimental or something negative, I guarantee that kid's going to pick up on that. And they're right. going to interpret that as there's something wrong with me. I'm doing something wrong or I'm bad. And so I, I think it's a challenge to parents to, you know, especially parents who don't have ADHD um, themselves who don't understand to just be like, you know what, maybe your kid doesn't have the eye color that you wanted them to have. Maybe they don't run as fast as you want them to have your kids who they are. So just accept them for who they are. You know, if your kid mm-hmm. had a problem you know, with something physical, if they were in a wheelchair, you would help them. This is the same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like the parents attitude is huge and it kids understand a lot more than, than you think they do. And having been the kid who was not diagnosed properly and was told like teachers and people told my parents that I was being lazy and my parents believed that I certainly took that on. So I, I think that's for me, I, when I see kids who I think have ADD, I'm, I kind of try to be their advocate, just like, you know, I, I recognize myself in them and that's not a bad thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I have gotten to the point now, like I'll be watching like a YouTube channel or something. And, um, well, for example, I watch a channel that's called Vanwise and obviously it's a couple that's married, but they, for the longest time on their channel, we're one of those people, you know, the group that lives in the van and travel across the country and do all okay. that stuff. Yeah. So they bought this abandoned cabin in Nova Scotia that's just out in the middle of nowhere. And they have been working their butts off, rehabbing the outside, putting solar in, all of the stuff. And I just enjoyed watching them do it because they have never let the fact that they have never done any of the things that they're doing stop them. And they just go in, they do it, they bust their ass. And the transformation of the year and a half that they've, you know, been at this cabin, it's incredible. And I've really enjoyed watching it. But one of them, she is clearly, clearly ADHD. Because <laughs> I'll watch it, she'll do something. I'm like, yeah, she, she totally has ADHD. That is an ADHD move if I have ever seen one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, like you, I can sometimes, I just spot it sometimes and it's like, yep, they have some ADHD. Whether they know it or not, I don't know, but (laughs) they have it. Yeah. So yeah, if you uh, are listening and you like watching people take something that was not nice and turn it into a really cool little off-grid homestead, watch VanWise. These two ladies are pretty cool and they have some pretty cute dogs, (laughs) which... It's really strange. Higgins likes the one dog, Belle, but he, Bella, but he does not like their other dog, Izzy. When Izzy's on the screen, he barks at her, but he never barks at Bella. I have no idea why. Hmm. That has nothing to do with anything about what we're talking about other than one of them has ADHD, and I have noticed it. <laughs> but anyway, I appreciate you coming on. I am quite impressed with us. Two people with ADHD, and we stayed on task and on focus pretty much 95% of the time as we as we were talking. And I have several other people coming on with ADHD, and I don't know if this is a trend that's going to be able to continue or not. But you and I did that, and I am quite happy and proud of us for staying on focus and on task. So thank you. Cool. Oh, thank you. Good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did it. I. I am known for doing what I like to refer to as a side quest. I know there's the main part of the video game, but I spend all of my time side questing. And I've really decided that's probably what I should have called the podcast was side questing with Jack. But it's too late now. I've 
got too much work into musings of an ADD mind to change it up now. So anyway, I, I appreciate you coming on, Jody. And like I said, we definitely need to hang out again. Definitely. And thank and, you for having me. I was super excited when I heard you were looking for, I mean, I just, I used to be a little reluctant to talk about it. And now I'm like, why? Right. I, I would right. be embarrassed right. if I used crutches. Why, why not talk about it? And especially if it can help someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree a hundred percent. You know, there's the whole uh, sort of mindset going on with like therapy and stuff right now where people are like, I don't need therapy. And it's like, if your leg was broken, you'd use crutches. Yeah. Talk to somebody. It doesn't, you feel better when you're done. I have yeah. a therapist. My therapist is awesome. Good. Half the time we don't even talk about. I just go in there and we just shoot the shit for like the first 15 minutes. I'm literally paying a dude 50 bucks a session for the first 15 minutes just shooting shit. But I always yeah, feel better. So <laughs> I, I kind of see it as, you know, if it were a physical issue, like if I did, you know, have an illness, it would be the responsible thing to do to address it and take care of it. And I don't think this is any different. I mean, it's you, you do what you need to do to to help yourself. Yeah. And and talking about it helps others. So many people, you know, you just feel like there's a stigma. You don't want to talk about it. You know, maybe it's just a part of yourself that you just don't like. Why am I like this? I don't yeah. get it. And then also, you know, a lot of people that that do have ADHD goes hand in hand with depression. So not yeah. talking about it just sort of feeds your depression that you have and getting to hear somebody talk about what they go through and what they deal with it, you know, really can be maybe not an instruction manual, but, you know, maybe a lighthouse in the distance of, oh, hey, I'm not alone. And knowing you're not alone is, is, is it's important. And just knowing, OK, well, I struggle with X, Y, Z and then hearing three other people say, well, I did, too. And here's what I did that worked for me. Yeah. And maybe that same thing doesn't work for you, but maybe it makes you think of something that does. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I, I appreciate you coming on. I was super thrilled that, that when I put that out there on the old social medias that I got, I think I have like 11 interviews coming up now. So oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it worked out well. And I'm, I'm glad that, that you were one of the people that chose to come and talk about it. So it's nice. I, I'm looking forward to all these other interviews. Don't know if I'm looking forward to the multiple hours of editing, but you know, oh, gosh. <laughs> that, that's part of it. <laughs> but anyway, um, with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, sign off. Uh, going to do it in the way that I always do. So uh, remember everybody, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.